everyone, Meredith SK here. Uh, coming up is our very first live recording recorded at Big Bad Con, a great RPG convention held here every fall. Uh, we're still working on our audio setup and techniques, so heads up. The audio quality isn't quite as good as our normal studio, uh, but we've got some great interviews with a bunch of attendees and also the founder of Big Bad Con, Sean Nittner. Enjoy! Okay, so we're here at Big Bad Con 2017. It's the first day, and Alexei just got out of running his uh, first game. He's all starry-eyed. He's very happy. Alexei? Yeah, I ran uh, my Walmart by Night uh, Sabbat intro game, which is like a vampire scenario where the players play hapless humans working the night shift who have a very unfortunate and fatal encounter with vampires. Wait, so it's inevitable that they are is fatal? I mean, it is conceivably possible that the humans might escape, but in the two times that I've run it so far, the humans have not managed <laughs> to. So, uh, how did the game go? This game went really well. Okay. Uh, really different player group from last time. Um, I'm not used to running scenarios more than once, but when I realized I was going to come to Big Bad Con, I was sort of like, oh, this is a scenario that I've been working on, and it's a nice kind of one shot. So, um, yeah, it just uh, it, it sort of was an obvious, uh, easy play to have it here. Um, and yeah, the players were really good. They got into their characters really well, which I liked. Um, you know, they, they sort of, these are characters that my other players actually like came up with and then I sort of like uh, like worked a little bit to make them more coherent or more cohesive uh -huh. thematically. So um, you, you wrote the characters ahead of time for the people to play? Yeah, yeah. I like basically like took the stuff that we had written uh, and wrote it up uh, in clean sheets with bios and stuff. So we're walking around Big Bad Con and we really want to interview people. But everybody's playing games. Yeah, so. It's, I mean, it's, so it's kind of a difficult situation as podcasters because we really want to talk to people, but we also are very happy that they're doing the thing that they, that they, want to do, be they doing. came here to do. We're having fun doing. So. so now we're going to go try to interview some people who didn't get into a game, I suppose. So maybe they'll be sad? Yeah, so there might be some sad. So we're sorry if they're sad. So Alexei is very sleepy because I ran a game. <laughs> so he ran a four-hour game, and it's getting kind of late. Uh, so we're gonna go home, uh, and Alexei's gonna come back bright and shiny in the morning and interview people. Uh, there's a lot of very excited gamers here, but they won't be out of their games until about one in the morning. And so tough nut to crack. Turns out people want to play their games. Uh, so we're gonna try again tomorrow morning. Hey everybody, I am here at Big Bad Con with Brian Thomas. Uh, he and I just finished a very fun game of Mouse Guard together called The Thieves of Pebblebrook. Uh, Mouse Guard is a game where you play tiny mice, it's sort of a red wall moss flower game. Uh, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, he's agreed to be interviewed by me. So, uh, hello, Brian. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alexei. Thanks very much for uh, interviewing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brian, tell me, when did you first start DMing uh, games? What was your like uh, earliest experience with that? So, my earliest experience was um, back in, when I was... 
guess I was in middle school, mm-hmm. uh, and my older stepbrother introduced my younger brother and I to um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. Uh, this was the. Uh, uh, I guess the original, like it was the red box mm-hmm. that came with the uh, Keep on the Borderlands. Right, yep, yep. And yep. I remember playing Keep on the Borderlands. Um, uh, and then uh, he lost interest, but I just kept on yeah, uh, going. going. <laughs> and uh, then I started become. I was the GM for uh, my, my brother and, and our friends. Uh-huh. Um, we went through the, the basic set, and then we were around, I guess our heyday was during the uh, AD&D 2nd Edition. Sure, yeah. Uh, back in the days of uh, uh, Thaco and uh-huh. uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the uh, Fighter's Handbook and the Thieves' yeah. Handbook. So, and then there was a long gap actually. Mm-hmm. I, um, after when I went to college, I didn't do uh, any role playing then, which is unusual. You know, a lot of yeah. people actually did. A lot right, of they get into it in college. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, and then in the last, I would say. Uh, three years um, just hearing more about sort of almost a, a, it feels to me like this renaissance of, yeah. of role playing and uh, uh, coming back to it as an adult has actually been really interesting yeah absolutely no I, I definitely feel like we've seen a big I th- it's funny I think about it as having started four or five years ago with kind of the rise of like the boutique RPG like yeah Fiasco and Shabalhiri Roach and like all these like little games where people were like it's sort of like lowered the barrier to entry like if you yeah. didn't want to buy like the Dungeons and Dragons three books and have to like read all these rules and figure out how to play it you could get like a book that you could play for two nights with friends have a really great time and then maybe with your interest peak to be like oh well what else is out Not there there and suddenly exactly. people were getting sort of back into the hobby so um, neat well uh, let's see what other than D&D what other games are you interested in oh gosh okay so that's been one of the interesting things that's come in this uh, hobby as an adult is uh, um, just seeing whereas when I was younger it was I just saw you know Dungeons and Dragons and Star Frontiers I remember was sort of like the for us the the science fiction game but sure. um, really I didn't know much of what was out there now you know everything from Fate GURPS uh, I like Universal Systems but um, uh, Gumshoe uh, um, I love doing uh, playing Knights Black Agents. Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't played Gumshoe. I haven't played Knights Black Agents yet. I really want to. It's 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 fun. Everyone, it's, yeah, everyone says it's fun. Um, uh, I'm I, you know just playing Mouse Guard. That was my first time playing Mouse Guard. I'm interested yeah. in really all the systems that I can that I uh, that I can find just yeah. to play and, and see what they're like. But uh, excellent. Yeah, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, just recently I was playing Paranoia. Oh. The Kickstarter oh. box. Oh wow! It's fun. that's a venerable. I played one Paranoia game, which was delightful because it did exactly what it was supposed to do. In that, it started <laughs> off with like one goal and immediately devolved into complete madness. Yes, it's like exactly what that game is supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways, I think it was. It's a great game to play with new players because you 
don't have to worry about, about yeah the, there's the, no like guys we're getting off good. track it's like no no there's no track here it's just it's just madness and explosions and yelling exactly cool exactly. Uh, okay so our Carpe DM is a podcast about teaching people how to be DMs yeah we're trying to kind of like make it easy for people to come into the hobby and especially like once you've taken your first couple you've played your first couple games but now you want to run games for other people yeah so my question to you is what is your your number one piece of advice for uh, GMs who are sitting down to run a game for the first time? Okay. So I guess if for the first time, the the main thing I would say is uh, it's easy, or at least this has been my experience, is it, it's easy when you first start GMing to get kind of flustered and feel this expectation like you're supposed to be driving this forward and if it's somehow uh, if there's an obstacle like you're having to look up the rules or you know you feel this like pressure of oh my god what you know what uh, are they going to do next that kind of thing to you know take a moment to breathe and um, remember you, you you can enjoy this experience. Like, you don't have to feel that that pressure to rush through it. Um, it's actually better to, I think, take your time yeah. uh, and, and enjoy it. Um, uh, the other thing I would say is um, uh, uh, really uh, uh, allow your players to shine. You know, um, one of the things that was really interesting to me to go from my early days of playing versus uh, now is hearing. Uh, GMs allowing or encouraging uh, players to describe uh, what's happening yeah, in the world. Yeah. When I first started, it was like all of the narrative pressure was, was on, on the, the GM. GM. Yeah. yeah, It was like the GM was describing the location, mm-hmm. was describing how the fight would go. You know, certainly players made choices, mm-hmm. but uh, the the narrative pressure was definitely on the GM. And yeah. now, it's, it's I like this. It's more yeah, it's of a, more shared and like the players get to be creative and yeah, yeah. I, I ran a game last last yesterday afternoon which is a Vampire the Masquerade nice. setting it's a Vampire the Masquerade one shot that I created for some friends that's set in Walmart uh-huh. where all of the players play humans and they're uh-huh. vampires who are like at the Walmart, Walmart. trying to eat them oh, and the awesome. whole part of the point of the of the adventure is like you know it's like a Walmart superstore so anything that you can think Find. of is somewhere in the store right, right. so anything that the player anytime the player is like is there X in the store I can always just say yes and then we figure out where in the store it is, it is. and if they can get there and get that thing like it's there for them you that's know? awesome so it's, everything is sort of like bounded by the player's creativity of like what can I th- what can I do with what I can imagine is in the store, store yeah so far I've run this twice and Walmart always burns down so, you know, <laughs> I can kind of see that. Yeah, exactly. Like as as one would expect. I want to play that game. It's good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, cool. Well, Brian, thank you so much uh, for talking to me. And uh, yeah, um, thanks for so much for your advice. Yeah, and thank you for uh, playing with me. That was yeah, fun. absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Hey everyone, 
once again. I'm here at Big Bad Con. Uh, this time my guest is Ian. Remind me of your last name, Ian. Norris. Ian, my, this time my guest is Ian Norris. Uh, Ian actually was our GM for the Thieves of Pebblebrook adventure. Yep. The Mouse Guard adventure that we just played, mm -hmm. uh, which was a ton of fun. And um, true to the, you know, red wall, moss flower sort of uh, uh, inspiration, uh, it was mostly about cooking. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, de I definitely, I definitely decided that this was going to be a game about food. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, Ian. So we're I'm uh, one of the hosts of a podcast called mm. Carpe DM. We are about sort of teaching people how to be DMs. Oh, so nice. I'm asking people like, what is your, what was your first experience with DMing a game? When did you start that? How long so, have you been playing? That kind of stuff. So it started with because I got introduced to Dungeons and Dragons through my dad. Mm. Actually, who just okay. ran a game for us, and at some point I'm like, well, I want to run a game for my friends, uh -huh. so uh, I'll just try and use use these book these reference books that my da that my dad was using mm. and run the same adventure that I ran. Sure. Uh, that actually came to prove to be a little difficult at first because what I didn't realize was that he actually he used the module as like a baseline for what he was doing, and then but he then, added stuff on yeah. top of it. So I was like, where's the where where's the thing where this trap comes <laughs> comes into play right here? Yeah, and it was like, no, it's not it's not in there. No, it's not in there because yeah. you know he uses imagination to right. add more stuff to, and enhance it, uh, which I think it, it, I, I think modules can be a, like a great way to start GMing. We've talked um, actually a fair amount about modules on the show about you know whether starting with a module is like the best way to start GMing or not, and I think my my thing is. The thing that I don't like about modules, I mean, I think they're great, but as a first experience, it's hard because when you're GMing yourself, you have the whole game in your head. Yeah. Um, and you know, like, if I change this now, I know what it's going to affect later. Whereas with a module, sometimes, like, if you make, if you have to make a change on the fly, you might find that, you know, you sort of, like, set the module off kilter down the line because, oh, this important NPC died or didn't die or et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. that's always a, that's always a, a, a concern. That, that is definitely a tricky concern, but that's where you have to remember, that's when you have to, like, learn. You go off, things right. go off the rails. Things they go off the rails. They yeah. will go off the rails. Yeah. You like don't get, get attached to rails. Yeah, don't get attached to them. I have uh, been punished in all various ways <laughs> when I uh, think that there are rails and expectations. Right. Uh, so that's definitely something to watch out for. Cool. Uh, so then, like, so you started out uh, GMing Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Um, what other games have you become interested in, or what other um, games are you are you so, playing now? So uh, running mouse, I've done definitely run Mouse Guard once or twice, and mm. I really enjoy I really enjoy that system. Um, I re uh, Fate is also one that I got into recently yeah. that I, I'm super pumped about. I yeah. really like like the balance of Fate. Which uh, which Fate? Fate, uh, Fate Fate Accelerated. Oh, the 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 core. I played I've played a fair amount of Spirit of the Century ah. and really enjoyed it. It's a fun setting. It's a great system. Yeah. It's super light. It's super like flexible. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. And I've also been into a lot of like there's like an ex cat's extension to Fate. Like because like a, uh, you know drive through RPG has a lot of like right. stuff. 
available and I like downloaded this PDF that was an extension of Fate Accelerated that does did like this I can't remember the exact name of the, the book but it was like cats and like defending defending like humans secretly and like as a society cute it that's was, adorable it was cute, adorable and cute and that's I really fun. loved it yeah neat um, yeah and I, I really like at this point I've actually been like ah, I don't want to touch Dungeons and Dragons anymore because I really like I really like the ability because like the rules are more of a guideline and I think when mm-hmm. systems do that more it's easier to avoid getting caught in like ah crap what is the rule for this specific action this I'm doing this specific thing yeah it can it can definitely bog down a game I think one of the things that I like about 5th edition is that a lot of that complexity has been sort of like yeah. like smoothed over where it's way easier for GMs to be like oh that's a crazy thing rather than looking up the specific rules I'm just gonna say it's a strength check yeah. Oop, you know and yeah. then that's it so I haven't had the chance yet to try out 5 but that's what I've that's what I've heard and that's yeah. definitely the way I hope systems to keep going yeah it definitely seems to be the it definitely seems to be the trend to move towards like more narrativist you know not not necessarily crunch less but definitely lighter Mm -hmm. crunch systems Mouse Guard was pretty crunchy. Mouse Guard yeah. was definitely. Uh, uh, it has some crunch, but the re- what I like, the reason I, I'll put up with crunch if it promote actually like yeah, promotes the good play, the, the place play. Because a lot of Mouse Guard's mechanics are based off of trade offs. Like, right. hey, like I could take a penalty now in order to gain bonuses on skills later, or mm-hmm. I can burn all my points now to mm-hmm. make sure I get through this check, but I can go, but it might be at cost. Yeah. And a lot of, and and a lot of it's up to GM's discretion. For example, I had a point where they they were actually off by two but I wanted them to just make that check so I just offered them a take to take a significant penalty right, yeah. in exchange for moving forward yeah it worked out um, okay last question so like I said uh, Carpe DM is definitely about like teaching DMs new skills or, or actually getting like people into DMing so what advice would you give to a first time DM mm-hmm. who's just sort of like getting their feet wet maybe they played a couple games and now they're like sitting down they're like I'm I'm gonna run uh, my very first game. What advice do you have? Um, that it's all about having fun. Yeah. Um, that like, you know, if something if something doesn't go quite right, if like the the rule, if some if you weren't expecting the player to do this, like you just you just roll with it. Yeah. And uh, like that that that's honestly where my best experiences and where my most fun I've had is when I, when I introduce the character, I'm like, what do you do? And the yeah. guy's like, I'm just gonna throw my sword at him. And you're like, all right, let's just roll with this. I had a I had a pivotal moment in my my uh, game last night that involved someone throwing a can of soup at someone else it was definitely not something that I had expected to happen and turned into a really great scene because the vampire who had had the soup thrown at them was like super miffed they were very upset um cool yeah I think I I definitely it's interesting because as a DM like we put so much prep and work into making our games and it can feel like kind of a slap in the face yeah. when your players like go in a different direction or don't pick up on your clues and like I think GMing you at some point you realize like it's actually a fairly zen exercise yeah. like you just have to accept that like yeah you know you have what to accept, accept that and also something outside a pitfall I was running into is that I was getting I prepared all these options and it's like uh-huh. when you give players too many options it's also just too much to do it's too you much kind of have yeah. to analysis you kind of have to like analysis. figure out like what are 
interesting option. Like yeah. that's the, the choices that the player should be make should always be interesting. And so just trying to figure out what those point decision points are. Yeah. And that's what you should be preparing for as opposed to like every potential. That's a good that's a good way to think about it. Like what are the interesting decisions that a player is gonna want to make? Like how not just like what is everything that the player can do, but like what's what's interesting at this juncture? I really like that. Awesome. Ian, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Everybody. Hopefully it will not be too loud. Uh, I'm here with Dev Prakayesta, uh, who uh, I just met and is actually connected to one of my favorite games, uh, Dance in the Dawn, uh, because he made the board game version, which I'm now very excited to play. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm here interviewing Dev. How's it going, Dev? It's going good here at, at Big Bad Con. Yeah. It's it's really it's really fun here. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun this weekend so far. Uh, so Dev, tell me about your first experience. When did that happen, and what kind of game were you running, and how did it go? Oh, man. Okay, Uh, my first experience GMing was I made my own game, because obviously. Natch, Uh, yeah. Way to to jump in the deep end. Meredith, if you're listening, that's your new assignment. Sure, yes. (laughs) uh, I, man, very briefly, like, I played D&D and Star Wars RPG. I pulled a discount but excellent generic game called Corpse, C-O-R-P-S, by, mm-hmm. uh, by BTRC. Uh, Corpse, C-O-R-P-S. Look it up. It's an amazing uh, technical design. Not totally my style now, but it's great. Anyway, I know nothing about games. I saw it. I'm like, these numbers are cool. <laughs> Let me copy this without understanding it into my own laser shark, cyberpunk, space, samurai, everything game. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm excited about and, these I concepts. Mean, I wished I, I was in the 90s and wished I was punk, so it was called Riot. The RPG, and anyway, it was not good, but it was fun, and I... I'm I, sorry, I'm excited. Okay. Go on. Well, kick, kick starting now. No. <laughs> but yeah, I made my own I made my own game with my uh, high school era aesthetic, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. ran it, and it was okay. And that was, and, and that was the first game I ever GM'd. That's really awesome. Uh, and you know, I, 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 I strongly feel that any game that has laser sharks in it is probably good. <laughs> like, at minimum, it's good. It may not be great, but at minimum... I think it's probably good. Well, I mean, if you if you love the thing that you're doing and your friends are there to like love it as well, and it matched. We liked trying to be cyberpunk, shadowy, trench coat badasses, and we're on the same wavelength, and we're both comfortable enough that if somebody wanted to add something else, it's like, oh, I want to be definitely like a psychic on top of everything else. On top of everything else, you're like, like, yes. Of course you are. Uh, let yes. me help you out. Yes, and. So yeah, just, exactly. It just enthusiasm and same page stuff, and it just helps so much. That's really important. Um, okay. What kinds of games are you interested in nowadays? Uh, nowadays, to, to run, I think things that allow a lot of improvisation, or let me improvise rather than prep, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. sort of a good spot. Mm-hmm. But I like having some mechanics. Yeah. And it's tabletop more than freeform. I like playing some freeform or freeform LARPs and other kind of LARPs, but mm-hmm. I think um, yeah, improvisational t- tabletop. I'd say like lighter versions of Dungeon World, for example, are yeah. sort of my thing. That's that's neat. I I've sort of I've definitely like come from the heavy crunch D&D camp and I'm like floating my way over towards the Apocalypse World Dungeon World camp and sort of checking that camp out um, and then I will bring 
tactical information back to my camp, and then we will raid you guys. So well, be I, on the lookout for that. Well, I did have my brief foray. I mean, there's a brief moment. So the reason about mechanical things, I like mm -hmm. playing mechanical games. Mm -hmm. uh, Marvel, like Cortex Plus, Dogs in the Vineyard. Not super crunchy, but it has a mechanic. I love yeah. playing with that. But as a GM, I want to feel comfortable uh, that I know what I'm kicking out there. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so briefly, 4th edition D&D, I got into it in the beginning and somehow mm -hmm. absorbed it all. I don't yeah. know how. Mm -hmm. So I felt comfortable running it because I was like, I think I know most of the contours. Right. Uh, but I find that there's some games I back away from running on that until someone else runs it for me. So I feel like I can know my way around the mechanics close yeah. enough. I still maintain that 4th edition would have been a huge success if they had just called it D&D Tactics. I have said this before, I'm on record. Um, okay, third question, and then the lightning round will end. Uh, what advice do you have for a first-time GM? If you were either talking to like your younger self or just someone who was like, I'm going to run a game for the very first time, what advice would you give them? Um, can I give multiple bits? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is to just do it, obviously, but I mean... Uh, if you ever feel blocked on doing it, remember you're just hanging out with some friends. Um, if you DM and it's not great, it's still it's like a dinner party. You invite your friends over for a dinner party, and if the chicken is like okay, like you, your friends are over, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, everyone's still having yeah, a good time. Yeah, this is not, and this is this is this is fun games. This isn't like yep. high science. So um, just do it, and it'll be fine. And you'll have had a good time. It doesn't matter if it was the best game ever. You will have had a good time. And obviously, like anything, you practice, it gets better. Yeah. But um, but I'm on the camp. It's not some uh, secret order. It's just... Right. Yeah. Just, just, invite your, just, just invite friends over and do it. And after four hours, you'll have had a good time. You'll have had a good time, and that'll be that. No, I, I, I really agree. It's, it's, it's funny, because I think that it's hard to kind of, like, get around that mystique of, like, oh, the DM, like, they must have access to secret knowledge and it's just like no behind the screen my notes are messy and I have no idea what I'm doing just live you know just just deal with it yeah and uh, I think those improvisational well it depends yeah on, yeah you know, that depends on your comfort level right those improvisational games so for me the improvisational games I feel um, I never feel like oh I'm caught out I forgot that uh -huh. you know what uh -huh. attacks do I stem etc <laughs> yeah 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 I never worry about that right I you know I just keep going but it, it plays to me being pretty comfortable making up some stuff yeah yeah. Find the find the area you're more comfortable with, right? Um, and and then just deploy there. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you like having rules as a backbone, find a game with good rules and learn them. If you like more freeform stuff, find more freeform stuff. Yeah. And here's another uh, idea, not something I've done, be, not tried before, but like maybe your first game doesn't need to be four hours long. It mm -hmm. can be a sh it can be a short foray, mm -hmm. just sort of being like, okay, what's it like with me? Just reading things, like yeah, being that's a the good GMC, idea. Yeah. Seeing how it goes is like yeah. a road test, but. Again, comes back to you just you can just do it. Excellent. Dev, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, so I'm here with uh, Sean Nittner, who is the founder yeah. of uh, Big Bad Con, and it's in, um, uh, I just learned, the uh, seventh year. Uh, can you describe your your role in the history with Big Bad Con? Sure. I, uh, hi, everyone. Um, I, <laughs> I uh, started Big Bad um, seven years ago, and it, it, it came on the coattails of a smaller gaming convention um, that I've been organizing called Good Omens Con, mm -hmm. and uh, that was a one-day con. And I've been doing that for seven years. So apparently, 
next year I need to do something else. Maybe that's it. Maybe seven years. It's a seven-year cycle? Seven-year cycle. It's a seven-year itch? Yeah. So wait, what is uh, Good Omens? Uh, Good Omens is a group of uh, Bay Area GMs that wanted to bring, kind of raise the bar of... of uh, of games at local conventions in terms of offering more variety uh, you know 14 years ago and before then there were if you looked at a local a lot of conventions you saw mm-hmm. um, D&D uh, Hero and Cthulhu just mm-hmm just filling up the entire roster and they really wanted to bring um, a sort of variety of, of games and I I was enamored by a lot of the GMs they also wanted to really uh, commit to offering a fantastic game mm-hmm. uh, experience so I uh, started playing with some of the Good Omens folks and, and really enjoyed the games and auditioned uh, to become a member which does seem a little pretentious now that I think back on it but at the time it seemed reasonable mm-hmm. Uh, so what is your what is your history in being a uh, GM? Uh, I've been GMing for probably about twenty five years or so, and um, you know, I, we we all started. Uh, I started my first game when I was a, a wee one, and um, and very soon after playing some D anD D, we quickly all said, "Well, I'll try it," mm-hmm. and ran all sorts of horrible games like Battle Lords of the 23rd Century and uh, and uh, as well as of course D&D and all those things and I've been doing it for ages and I really wanted to do it very well and that's why I joined Good Omens mm-hmm. and then um, as soon as I joined I wanted to do something more than just attend other cons I wanted to put on our own so we put on the first Good Omens con Do you um, at these cons do you think that most of the people running games are very experienced uh, GMs or? No not really so back then again 14 years ago what I wanted was a diversity of games and a high quality of uh, GMs mm-hmm. and now what I look for today is a diversity of attendees and high quality of people okay. um, uh, I'm, that's awesome uh, yeah it's uh, there's the, the culture of Big Bad Con is thankfully and I, I'm, you know, I'm part of this of course but I'm certainly not all of it the culture of Big Bad Con is a very welcoming and loving and inclusive one and uh, we uh, the, the, the people that are running games here may very well be jamming for the very first time but they're coming in earnest and they're coming with a lot of love and uh, for, for what they're doing mm-hmm. and for their fellow players mm-hmm. so even if uh, you know you're, you're playing a game that's a play test of a new game mm-hmm. and the gym may be this may be the first game they've ever made and they're and they may be fairly novice mm-hmm. uh, that is something we really welcome and are excited about. And mm-hmm. and the players signing up for that, you know, they know it's flagged as a playtest game, and they they know what they're getting up for, getting in for, and um, often uh, really help developers. I mean, we're not Metatopia, we're not a playtest con, but there is a lot of game development that does happen here, or happen out of games that happen here. And um, when uh, when you're running a game at a convention, what like how do you think that helps you become a, a GM, or what influence do you think that has had on your own? sort of running games since you've been going to and running cons? Um, so for me, the con experience is about uh, sort of maximizing the, the play that you're going to have in that four-hour block. And mm-hmm. I think you 
as a convention GM, you um, the the tools that you're refining are how to make the game sing and involve players the utmost mm. in the short time that you have allotted. So in a in a longer term game, you may get a lot of reward out of reading a lot of the lore and out of following the the setting very closely and out of spending a lot of time going over the rules. Mm-hmm. But in a four hour slot or two hour slot or a one hour slot, um, you, you, the the most enjoyment everyone's going to have is if they can sort of become engaged very mm-hmm. early on. So for me, um, I, I really, if not starting sort of in media res, I want to start the game at least very ready to jump off. I don't mm-hmm. want to spend a lot of time teaching the rules. We'll figure those out as we play. And, and I want to, particularly to focus on the players' contributions, mm-hmm. on what they're going to bring to the table rather than me as a GM droning on and on and on. Is that what you see as the main difference between a, a, a convention gaming experience and one that you're doing in your house is sort of like starting faster? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and uh, getting, being very, very direct about uh, the purpose. Um, you know, Apocalypse World Engine games, uh, a lot of other um, uh, games are, are uh, specifically play to find out games, which I is 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 a mode that I love. I mean, I've been running a Blades in the Dark game for the last year and a half, and I love just finding out every week what my crew is gonna do and what uh, wonky stuff they're up to. But um, but in a in a convention game, I think there's definitely room for that. But you need to tighten the the parameters so that it's that there's some focus. Involved. And, and I think that making sure that your game has enough focus that it's cohesive, mm-hmm. that in the first four hours you haven't just decided what the game is going to be about and then it's over, um, is 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 a, a skill that some games are easier to do with, but it's certainly something that you you work on as a as a GM. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our, our so Carpe Diem is a, a podcast about. Well, teaching me how to become a, a DM because I've always wanted to do it and I oh. found it a really uh, sort of obtuse and sort of intimidating subject. Sure. Uh, so what um, what sort of either like advice or notes on your own experience of learning new systems or having seen a lot, like I'm sure seen a lot of people learn games, what, what sort of uh, advice or notes would you give to people like me who are learning how to, play, sure. to run games for the first time? Absolutely. Well, um, there's sort of two sets of advice. One of them would be along the lines of what's going to excite you, and one of the line, one of them are going to be along the lines of like what are techniques. So, in terms of techniques, that's a, a, a perhaps a simpler uh, direction. Is like what's like how do you like hone your skill? How do you like what what are the things you should be doing at the table? And a lot of games will now, I think, and this is a really beautiful part of the evolution of game design, is that a lot of games will now tell you as a GM, here's the things you do, you know, ask questions, describe mm-hmm. the setting, you know, they, they give you a, 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 some real concrete instructions. But for me, um, the, one of the most important techniques is to, to ask your players questions about the things that they're interested about until you find something that resonates with you, with them, and with at least a majority of the other players. So when you're speaking like before you make the game or like in-game in constantly? In-game, okay. constantly, throughout. This is a this is a constant process that you're iterating through. So um, I've been playing a lot of Blades in the Dark right now, which is mm-hmm. set in this sort of haunted, haunted fantasy city. And when I ask somebody about the relationship with ghosts and someone says, well, uh, you know, I'm terrified 
terrified of ghosts because everybody is except for my sister is dead and she's a ghost or my father mm-hmm. is dead and he's a ghost and my, my co-worker is dead and they're a ghost and uh, you know in, in the case of uh, you know my father uh, I had this I had this really weird you know father issues that I'm sort of sorting through and they're now a mad raving ghost and I and I don't know how to how to deal with that and then we start drilling in on that relationship and mm-hmm. what the implications of that and who else knew their father and who else uh, is connected and uh, it, but it's all a matter of asking the questions until something really sticks out that you feel that they're invested in. If their, their answer is a really flat one, it's, uh, my, usually I just move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. But once they say, ooh, 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 this, mm-hmm. that, and especially if you feel like, oh, 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 yeah, because I had this other thing, and you feel that there's an energy of building on each other, mm-hmm. um, then that's the thing to, to dive onto. I've played a lot of games where the major, major focus was just based off of something that was on somebody's character sheet that they said in just a slightly more animated voice they were interested in and as we dug in like we all said oh yeah yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. want to be part of that too uh, and so we played the game that was about that one little thing uh, which is the second piece of technical advice which is start small mm-hmm. don't try to make the world try to just make in fact never try to make the world always just build it from the little pieces sometimes you do need to decide what happened a thousand years ago but wait until the thing that happened a thousand years ago is actually meaningful to decide to what's going on yeah Yeah, right because if it's not relevant not only does it distract you from what's more important but it also has you start playing this silent game in your head that no one else can participate in and maybe like it can it can keep the players from using their own imaginations a little bit more yeah yeah you're you're boxing the game in unnecessarily Mm -hmm. and uh and on that note, if you if you do want to add more content to the game, I, I you want to draw maps, you want to write those histories, whatnot. That's still good stuff to do because even if you don't use it, it like gets your brain engaged. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say you know write the whole history of the world or write all you know figure this all out. But if if you feel the urge to do it, do it. Just hold on to it lightly. Mm-hmm. Hold on to those things and. You know, make a decision about the past and then be willing to reinterpret it as the player's actions make it more interesting in one way or the other. I'm not saying create illusionism where whatever the players decide is the, is the right choice or the wrong choice, but um, ha- be responsive to, to, their, to their contributions as well. Because you can, in your own private time, make maps of dungeons and tell the histories of families and uh, decide the relationships of coworkers. Mm-hmm. But until the rubber hits the road until they actually come and play none of that stuff's real that's mm-hmm. all just still in your mm-hmm. head and you can curb all of it and, de- and decide to change and tweak it as you can, go uh, can you give an example of maybe uh, sometime where you had a bunch of history all planned out and then the players made a left turn um, oh that- yeah yeah so uh, I'm, I'm using recent examples because my, my brain is foggy and, and uh, the thing that the things that are recent are, are fine um, this, the setting of this game Blades is, is that the, the the gates of death are broken open and now everybody who dies comes back as ghosts and haunts people and the ghosts are terrifying and there's this one little island or a few set of islands that don't have these protective barriers around them to, st- to keep the ghosts out and uh, one of the characters one of the players in my game was had a character from that from that place and there was a, there's a question you always ask people from that place is how do you keep the ghosts out mm-hmm. and and her answer was Oh well, they like us. They're friends with us, and and for me, I'm I'm going like my mind is blown by this because everything I know about the game is that ghosts are horrible and feral and wanted to mm. destroy the living, and her story is no, we're friends with them, and we all agreed, both sort of out of character, we all agreed like 
she can't be right, right? But maybe, but she has to be right in the context of her experience. Like she can't be right universally. Right. But there's got to be a truth within her experiences. We're like, so what's so special about her growing up, her family, her livelihood that she that this is her lived experience? And we've literally been asking ourselves that question for the last year and a half. How is it that her and we keep digging oh, deeper really into cool. it? Like what horrible shady deals her family has made to like gain this what ghosts they have trapped, what what things have happened so that for her experience, like, oh no, ghosts are her friends mm-hmm. because they've been bartered with and manipulated and controlled and like eventually to this they, she, she has the experience of this relationship that is not untrue but not simple mm-hmm. like like we thought it was and again it's been a year and a half of us discovering how that was true because in my mind it just didn't make any sense and so I was like well we're just gonna have to keep digging into it and mm-hmm. to, to see how it, how it became true that's uh, really cool it's fun it's really fun because it leaves the game a mystery to me too mm-hmm. I'm like I don't I don't know I don't know how that works so let's mm-hmm. let's keep digging until we find out so did you get any time to play any games here I did I did oh, you did good yeah no it's funny a lot of times people say hey John can you play a game and if it's in the middle of the con the answer is universally no but if you happen to catch me at really odd hours mm-hmm. um, or if it's a short game. Uh, so how much of the year does planning this con take up for you? Um, I mean, I start right as soon as the con ends, but in terms of the major, like when it really picks up, we, we usually run a Kickstarter in May and I mm-hmm. need to start planning that in, in early April. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to do that, I need to have the contract done. So it's usually March-ish that I really start mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. and we'll have, we'll get the contract with the hotel and we uh, get ready for the Kickstarter. Then we run the Kickstarter. There's a lot of promotion that goes on then Mm. Um, the Kickstarter is really what makes the con viable because badge sales wouldn't quite cut it Mm -hmm. and I don't want to become very commercial in terms of right yeah uh, a ton of dealers and whatnot, mm-hmm. and um, and the Kickstarter also allows us to have a scholarship to bring uh, women and people of color and queer folks and people with disabilities out to the con. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we brought out ten. Really, really proud That's of that. That's great. Yeah, um, and uh, but I, I think I'm getting off uh, off topic. No, no, it's um, fine. So then there's a big rush in May or June, whenever we get the Kickstarter mm-hmm. off the off the ground, to get the Kickstarter, and then once that's done, it, it hits another lull mm-hmm. and uh, GM starts submitting games but there's not too many of them and then by middle late July now we're starting to build the roster really push to get the GMs to submit their games start to mm-hmm. start looking at building the schedule and by August uh, or late August at least we want to have a lot of things worked out like mm-hmm. we want to make sure we have enough events and, mm-hmm. um, and then pretty much from there we started doing signups in September, and it's just nonstop. Yeah, it's, I would imagine. You know, all of September, late August through October is just uh, a nonstop crunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have any uh, sort of parting wisdom for um, anybody who's either looking to become a DM, GM, or uh, trying to get better, or maybe has never been to a, a con like this before, or um, anything that would have helped you when you were first learning? Wow, so many questions. I know. There. I know. I'm sorry. No, uh, they're great. The, here's the thing: is I just want to answer all of them. Okay. But, yeah. but I don't. But I don't know how much. What's your? What your? Oh, I mean, I've got ages of time left. Sure. I just don't want to bore bore your listeners. But we'll we'll see. Oh, I'll cut anything out. No, I mean, 
I won't cut mine up, but <laughs> I, I can if if there's a, um, so. A I I have been playing a lot of games on Twitch recently, and I have really been blown away at the Twitch community. Like you've been play, like like um, like you've been uh, videoing like like RPGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we play we um, play using Roll Twenty, and then we generally have an overlay so that you know when you're watching the screen, you see all our heads up, but you also see the the Roll Twenty screen, and so the, the dice or the cards or the character sheets or whatever mm-hmm. needs to be displayed or displayed, but also there's the heads up. And I am just so um, enamored with uh, the Roll Twenty, not the Roll Twenty, the Twitch. Uh, streamers' willingness to just dive into games mm-hmm. um, and just say, "Yeah, it so looks the, like fun. I'll just run it." Yeah. Cool. So the the Twitch players are the players, or the Twitch users are the players, or you have players with you in person? Uh, no, no, we're doing it all remote, so we're all connected up over. Oh, cool. I mean, there's certainly things like Critical Role where mm-hmm. it's a filmed experience, but this is just regular gaming, except for you know a lot of people do it kind of over Hangouts or whatnot. But the reason why Twitch is so uh, exciting to me is that there's a, huge, a whole community built around it, mm-hmm. and that people will get in chat and talk mm-hmm. to you as you're as you're playing, but also that streamers who uh, maybe weren't RPG streamers, they were maybe video game streamers, kind of get connected through the side and, mm-hmm. and find out about them and start playing. And, and uh, I... And I'm just blown away by how quickly people will pick up a game and just start running with it. And my experience is that anxiety or letting your anxiety make you second guess yourself is mm. the worst part of jamming you know mm. it's always like it's like performing on stage and you get you get butterflies before you go on but the moment you're on mm-hmm. you just you're fine like that all goes away that's, you're ner- that's you're good because I'm, I'm terrified of my first game it's coming up soon oh so I'm sure you are <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's just dive into it mm-hmm. and you might not be the best GM the first time but I don't but I don't think that's important I think it's important is that you do it and you learn from it and you uh, you enjoy the experience for what it's worth which is this is the first time it's the only time you're gonna have your first time GMing a game right Mm -hmm. you know this is a great wonderful experience and many of my favorite players are people who have never even played a role-playing game or even know what they are. Mm. They just somehow get tricked into <laughs> sitting down and doing this thing. And I'm just, I, I would love, Meredith, to see your first game. Yeah. Uh, to hear uh, about it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, I'm trying to find my players now, yeah. um, which is sort of inconvenient because anybody who's listened to the podcast, it'll be just huge spoilers. So it has to be someone who's willing to be on the podcast because we want to record it, mm-hmm. uh, but hasn't actually listened to the podcast. <laughs> Because then it would be like they would know everything that's going to be happening in the game. Sure. It'd have all those spoilers. So um, so maybe you could come be a player if yeah, you wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I my God, really? That would I've, be amazing. To- oh, that would be so good. Sure. It's going to be called uh, The Mystery of Turtle Mountain. Um, and we've been going over, we've been making maps, we've been making character sheets, NPCs. I mean, the whole, the whole, the whole show so far has been going through. It's it's for fifth fifth edition. Cool. And so, like, basically going through the chapters and like, um, and then sometimes uh, with little extra bits of like Alexei, who's you know very experienced DM, and um, uh, Chris Hawkabout, who's our third host, who is a professional game designer. So um, for Telltale. 
Cool. So, um, yeah. Uh, that sounds really fun. I'm really excited about it. I'm also really terrified. Sure. Um, well, D&D is a, is a game that, 5th uh, uh, edition, uh, all editions, but 5th edition definitely as well, uh, is a game that uh, very much rewards system mm. mastery. Um, the more you know about the system, the... the it's the, a varying... It's a game that very much rewards system mastery. Yeah. So the more you know okay. the system, the, the more you're gonna get out of it. Oh, I'm boned then. And and the only way to gain system mastery is to play. Yeah. You can't okay. learn. You can't read it. You have yeah. to just do it. Uh, so you may not. You know, there are other games that system mastery is. I would never say it's unimportant, but it's less emphasized. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but uh, but it's also you know D and is a staple. It's 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 something everybody should try. Okay. And so I, I think I think it's and there are plenty of people who just grab the books, roll the, grab the dice, roll mm -hmm. the bones, mm -hmm. see what happens, and and uh, they have great experiences. So I'm, I'm sure you will too. I'm super excited about the possibility of you being one of my players. Absolutely. I, oh my god, I'm so excited. Well, thanks so much for taking some time out of, I'm sure, an extremely hectic con schedule. Uh, sure thing. Where can people find Big Bad Con and uh, your other projects online? Sure. Um, so you can go to bigbadcon.com. Um, we're also that on Facebook and and, mm -hmm. uh, and Twitter. We have a Discord channel we just opened up. Um, so you can find out about the, the everything that we do, our charity events, our scholarship program, um, Big Bad World, our medic, our metagame, all the, all the things that I'm I'm very proud of our mm -hmm. outreach program. Um, they're, all, they're all on the website. Mm -hmm. uh, for me personally, um, you can track all the work I do at Evil Hat over mm -hmm. to evilhat.com. Um, I'm the project manager there. We make a lot of great games. It's wonderful. And then if you ever want to read my super boring actual play I have uh, 10 years of gaming every game session recorded not no. not, re not recorded like in this form not audio but uh, a, an actual play report still on every single game. that's insane yeah I hit 10 years and I stopped uh, I'm gonna pick it back up again but I gave myself a break because of big pad con but mm. but uh, yeah there's there's 800 900 games I don't know there's a lot of shit a lot of games on that on that that's a lot on that blog. so if, <laughs> we if, already have an explicit tag so I can say yeah I can you can say shit yeah, yeah I can say yeah. shit well, there's a, there's a shit ton of games there. Um, so that's over at seannittner.com. Okay. And and I'm Sean Nittner everywhere. Sean Nittner, Gmail, Twitter, all those things. So. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on. Thanks so much for having me on the, on the show. And yeah. It sounds like it might be fun to me. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs>